God has put restrictions on his followers and because of that some may label him as an unyielding taskmaster. However, as Pastor Daniel will point out in today's message, God created these restrictions to protect those he loves, including you. He has given you a bountiful earth to live in and benefit from. The few things that he places restrictions on are meant to keep you safe and allow you to flourish as you enjoy the rest. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 5 with part one of his message, Tales of Two Men. So we've been calling this series, Romans 1 to 5, Life Intention. And whether we like it or not, life is full of all these tension points. For many of us, really what we want to do is we just want to resolve the tension. That's really what the goal is. Like, I, There's just things that's tense. I just want to get rid of it. But in a lot of ways, when we resolve things that are meant to be tense, we actually just create bigger problems. We end up creating other issues And if we were to really just be honest, if we were to look at the totality of life, no matter from what seat you're sitting on, no matter how old you are, no matter how you look at it, one of the greatest areas of tension in life is as it relates to death. And how do you live in light of death? You know, as I think of the holiday season that we're in right now, obviously, you know, as somebody who lost my mother when I was younger, I remember especially those first number of holidays right after my mother passed away it was so much fun but then you kind of felt guilty for having fun a little bit and I remember having all of these unique emotions that I was like wow so how does this work now and and I even remember uh in the time before my mother passed away so my mother got cancer when she was 49 I was uh, 19 years old when it happened and I remember when she was going through her first set of chemotherapy and all that stuff I had my first head of uh, dreadlocks at that time and so I remember uh, I came home for a long weekend with my mom and my mother had no hair at that point. She had lost all of her hair because of what she had been going through. And I remember uh, I looked in the mirror and I had these long locks and I thought to myself, you know, if my mom's going to be bald, I probably should be too. And so I remember the next time I came home for a Thanksgiving break, I had my big hat that I always wore, but I shaved my head underneath it. And what's funny is, is that when I came in, I had my big hair and my mom saw me and then I took my hat off and my mom started to cry. And I said, I said, mom, why are you crying? She's like, well, I hated your hair. And she's like, but I feel bad because you cut them off because I don't have any hair. And I'm like, man, I think it's like a win-win for you, you know? I was trying to make light of it, but I remember that sometimes when you're looking at life, there's this tension that exists that is really profound. And really, for all of us, we live in a world that death is a given. 
But how do you truly live life in the midst of a world where that, that that's real? And in a lot of ways, one of the things I love so much about the scriptures, of course, is the fact that the scriptures, does, they don't shy away from these discussions. Although these discussions might be uncomfortable for us, maybe not our, our favorite topic, but the Bible doesn't shy away from it because whether or not you're willing to look at it or acknowledge it, that's a very real tension in life. And so rather than just pretending like it doesn't exist or sweeping it under the rug, the Bible just kind of has this great way of just grabbing hold of this thing and saying, hey, listen, you need to see this. You need to deal with this. And so in a lot of ways, what we're going to see today is something I'm calling the tales of two men, because there's literally only two human beings in the entire world who every single one of us has to deal with in some way. There's only two. Right? There's 8 billion plus people on the globe today. I don't know exactly how many people have been alive as long as humanity has been here. But no matter who you are, no matter what generation you're from, all of us have two people that are an integral part of our lives. And one is Adam, the first human being, and the second is Jesus, the Son of God. Right? And really what we're going to see is that Adam and Jesus, you put them together, we see the very tension of life. So as we close our Life Intention series, open up in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be taking verses 12 to 21 in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. The last message I'll be given here in this first series in the book of Romans. Or, of course, if you have a smart device, I want you to open up your favorite browser, type in Romans 5, verses 12 to 21. Also, for those of you who are with us joining on TV, on the radio, online, make sure you open up another uh, browser window if you're, or open your Bibles there. So it says this. In Romans 5 verse 12, therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin for until the law sin was in the world but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Now, we just seen how when you believe in Jesus that you get to have an experience. And we saw about the fact of things like peace and access and joy about love and reconciliation. But Paul has left, he just wants to make a contrast between Jesus and Adam, the two people that every human being has to deal with. And really what we see right up front is that Jesus is the new and better Adam. Jesus is the new and the better Adam. Now, I get that idea simply from the end of verse 14 when it says, the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. You see that? Adam was a type or a picture of the person who is to come, who is Jesus. And so really what we find is that all humanity deals with these two people, Adam and Jesus. And Jesus is the new and better Adam. Now, think about what that means. See, Adam was created by God to be his steward over the earth over creation. And if you don't believe me, of course, you could just read Genesis chapters 2 and 3, right? The beginning of your Bible, it begins on the sixth day, God creates 
Adam and Eve, it says. We get a little bit more insight into that in chapter 2. Right, And then obviously by the time you move into chapter 3, Adam and Eve has rebelled against God's request. But God created Adam to be the caretaker over God's creation. Right? And so right there, God has a plan for this person. And had Adam and Eve never failed, life would not look the way that it looks right now. Life actually wouldn't be in tension. Right? Because within the Garden of Eden, God had taken care of everything that Adam and Eve could have ever needed. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. It says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, in Genesis 2 verses 15 to 17, you see three things that God gives Adam in the garden. The very first thing, he gives Adam work. Did you ever notice that? In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam vocation or work. The Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now listen... I know for most people you do not enjoy your J-O-B, but actually you and I were created for work. See, God created us with purpose. And so when God created Adam, he put him in the Garden of Eden. He says, look, I want you to tend and keep this garden. He gave them work to do. See, vocation is a very holy thing in God's economy. Now, I realize that for many of us, we do jobs that we don't enjoy. We don't feel like they necessarily have the value that we would like. And listen, if you're in that place where you really don't like your job or you feel like your job doesn't have any uh, real value to it, I would ask you simply to pray and say, God, is my dissatisfaction with my vocation a holy one or an unholy one? See, if it's an unholy one, God wants to change your heart because what you do does have value. And the reason you don't enjoy it is because it's a heart problem on your part. That's an unholy dissatisfaction, right? Or if it's a holy dissatisfaction, sometimes we feel dissatisfied with our calling and our vocation because God actually has something different for us. I was just talking to someone about this the other day. They were sharing to me about their journey with Jesus. And they had a job that now they would consider sinful. A job that they did, but because now they're following Jesus, they're like, I didn't realize what I was actually doing. You know, and then, again, then I started walking with Jesus, but I didn't think to change my job. But then I started feeling uncomfortable with what I was doing, with the way that I was making a living. You know, and then I'm like, well, then what happened? Like, well, then I started praying about it. And they said within the midst of their small group, you know, someone said, hey, listen, you know, I think maybe you might want to pray if you're actually supposed to be doing that job. And in a lot of ways, what they realized was that God was preparing them for a change. See, God gave you work as a blessing. So the first thing that we get is work, vocation in the garden. The second thing you get is liberty. In verse 16 it says, And then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of the trees of the garden you may freely eat. So Adam is in a garden, and he's allowed to eat everything he wants. Right? So he's got liberty. And then, finally, you get prohibition. But of this one tree... You shall not eat. Because in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. So really, God gave Adam in the garden three things. Vocation, liberty, and then one singular prohibition. Now, what's interesting is, is when people think about God, they always think, God is so mean, right? Like, God is so limiting, right? It's like, 
as if there was only one tree in the garden to eat of. And God said, the one tree that you can eat of, you're not allowed to eat that tree. He's like, no, no, you're allowed to eat of every tree. It's like God sent Adam into Costco and Whole Foods and Fred Meyers and your favorite restaurants and eat whatever you want. But that one display, you got to leave there. Right? And a lot of us feel that way about God. Where what we feel is we feel like that God, he's always putting limits on. No, no, no. God loves us too much to want us to hurt ourselves. And if you read the story of what goes on, Adam and Eve, they make the mistake of thinking that God is against them. But God said, listen, you can eat whatever you want. Now, I imagine, and of course it tells us in the scriptures, that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, there was fruit on that tree, so that fruit looked good. But he's like, look, if you eat that, you're going to die. Now, I tried to put this in an analogy that I can understand, you know? And it'd be like if you went on in, and there's every flavor of Twinkies you could imagine. Twinkie ice cream, right? There's traditional Twinkies. There's this. There's chocolate-covered Twinkies. Twinkies with peanut butter filling. Twinkies with cotton candy filling. Gluten-free Twinkies. Sugar-free Twinkies. I don't know if that's really possible. But anyway, you know what I mean? Twinkies that actually expire where you can't eat them. See, I like Twinkies because if there's a nuclear fallout, my Twinkies are still going to be as healthy as they were on the day that I bought. That's a different discussion. But imagine if he's like, you can eat all, you have liberty to eat all the Twinkies you want. But you're not allowed to eat the Twinkies that have the poison in them. Right? Now, when I say God's mean for doing that, I mean, I got to eat all the Twinkies I want. I could eat Twinkies until Jesus comes back. But the one that's got the poison, he's like, look, but you can't eat that one. Because if you eat that one, you'll die. Now, is God mean for giving me every Twinkie that I could imagine except for one? No, he's not. Now, in the same way... The problem for Adam and Eve was the fact that God had given them access to everything with one simple prohibition, but that was the one thing that they wanted to do. And listen, the same thing is true for you and I, isn't it? God has given us liberty to experience life in a multitude of ways, innumerable ways, and then God does give us parameters in which to live. Why? Not because God is mean, but because God loves us too much to want us to hurt ourselves. So he's saying, listen, for you, yeah, you can enjoy this, 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 but this thing, yeah, you can't enjoy it that way. And then we always get mad at God, and we say, God, I'm not going to do it God's way. Why would I want to? God is so limiting. Wrong. See, there's no freedom in doing what hurts you. And many of us know what that's like, don't we? We know what it's like to want things that actually hurt us, to experience things because we want to experience it, things that we knew we probably shouldn't have done, but we do it anyway. See, what's amazing is, is that Adam had liberty from God and had purpose, but yet Within the prohibition of what God had given him, Adam didn't want to abide. Now, the reason I say Jesus is the new and better Adam, because Adam was in a garden, right? And had one prohibition, right? Then you have later on, you have Jesus. Jesus wasn't in a garden. He was in the wilderness, right? Jesus was surrounded by nothing. He was in a desolate place. And he was tempted by the devil, While he was hungry, not with full access to food, but where there was no food, and yet Jesus never sinned. So Jesus did what Adam had failed to do many, many thousands of years before. See, Adam is a picture of what God was going to do in Jesus. And for each one of us, whether we like it or not, we interact with Adam And with Jesus, why? We interact with Adam because all of us, as we're going to see, are descendants of Adam. 
And all of us have the potential to be redeemed by Jesus. But really what we find next, the reason these two men are so important is because in Adam we die and in Jesus we live. That's the point of this. In Adam we die and in Jesus we live. Look at what it says back in verse 15. Therefore just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Now, you see what it's saying there. Now, and you realize that because the Bible was written thousands of years ago, the Bible wasn't concerned about gender neutral language the way we are today. Right? Now, I believe that if the Holy Spirit inspired the word of God today, he would use gender neutral language. He would say humankind. Right? But why? Because for us, God doesn't want us to stumble over the point because it was written thousands of years ago. It's like all the stuff that's going on in our culture today, right? Where it's like something that back in the day was seen as nothing. Now, all of a sudden, it's a big problem. I was thinking about this. It makes me laugh so much that, like, you know, I'm waiting for them to ban Frosty the Snowman. Because he smokes a pipe and he wears no pants and he hangs out with kids. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Can you imagine Imagine someone broke rule out Frosty the Snowman today. I mean, he's got no clothes on. Smoking a pipe, hanging out with the kids. I mean, that is evil. I can't believe I'm normal and socially well-adjusted growing up liking Frosty the Snowman. But you realize, like, so I couldn't, really, I've been holding this in for so long. <laughs> but, but culture changes. And so thousands of years ago when they said mankind, nobody thought that, oh, this is not affirming of women, right? Now that's, now that's happening today, right? But when the Bible uses man, it means all people, okay? So we're just, we're updating the cultural reference point. But it wasn't written today. It was written thousands of years ago, and we're fine with that, right? We're, we're not afraid to say, hey, listen, that's the way they spoke then, right? So it says, through one man, through Adam, sin entered the world and death through sin. Because remember, he, God said that you could eat of any tree, but not the tree of the knowledge of good. Because when you eat of it, you will surely die. Right? So then it says, then death spread to all people because all have sinned. You see what's going on here? See, the reason death reigns in this world is because all of us sinned, in a sense, with Adam in the garden. And as descendants of Adam... And Eve, all sin is part of our lives. And because of that, death is part of our lives. Now, then Paul takes a little aside in verse 13, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. So because Paul's been talking about the law of Moses, he's saying, look, before the law of Moses came, sin was still in the world. But once the law comes, now you have the strict rules that are in place. And now all of a sudden you're transgressing by doing those things. Notice, nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. See, really what he's saying is that in every single generation, everybody has died except for two people in the Bible. Anybody know who those two people are? Enoch and Elijah. Go ahead, write it down. Enoch and Elijah. Write it down. That's E-N-O-C-H, not E-N or E-K-N-O-C-K. But Enoch and Elijah. Now what's interesting is both Enoch and Elijah deserved death. 
But because, uh, and of course, you get Enoch in Genesis 5. We don't know a lot about the story of Enoch. He walked with God and then God just took him in the midst of all of that. And then, of course, Elijah, the great prophet, was kind of whisked away by the chariot of fire. But those two men were still deserving of death. But because God took them, they kind of get a unique place in all of this. But really what you have is that even before the law of Moses was given, everybody died. Everybody who came on the scene and off the scene, everybody died. And so really what he's saying is that even before the law was given, people still died. And then it says by the time you get to verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who had sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in justification of life. Now, you see what Paul's doing. Paul is spending a lot of time showing, listen, Because of the mistake of Adam and Eve, the sin of Adam and Eve, the transgression, because they knew what they ought to do, but they didn't do it, death entered the world. And much more, in the same way, the finished work of the free gift of Jesus, God's grace through his death on the cross, that brings us into life. Now, some of you right now are saying, you know what I don't like about the story? I don't like the fact that one decision on Adam's part can have such a big impact. Am I the only one who feels that way? Yeah. I think it's a normal feeling. But listen, sometimes one mistake is so big, it actually changes everything. Isn't it true? We've all seen this. We've all seen this. We've seen people in circumstances, they make one bad decision, and because of that one bad decision, everything in their life changes. Right? And I, I want to say this, because unfortunately, it has a really large church. It, we lose young people in the time between Christmas and Easter almost every year since I've been here. Because somebody decides that they're going to go do something that they're not supposed to do. And then before you know it, one decision now wrecks a family. Wrecks a life. I want to say that because I don't want anyone to think that one decision can't change everything. It's unfortunate that years, decades of good decisions can be shriveled up in one bad decision. But that's just life. That's reality. Because Adam sinned, there's a curse upon all of us. That's the sad truth that exists for each individual. Pastor Daniel reminded you today that Adam had the choice to live as God intended, but he allowed the enemy to influence him, letting evil have its way in the world. You may have no say in that, but the fact remains that something has to be done about it. That something was Jesus' death on the cross. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. 
And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel digs into the contrast of Adam versus Jesus. Adam's life brought brokenness and destruction to the perfect world that God had created and caused everyone to be born into sin. Jesus' life offered a new beginning, though, one that mirrors God's original intention. Jesus did the work needed to get you back to a right standing with God. All you need to do is accept it. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Life Intention. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.